In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me is my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing? We're doing okay, Jordan. I mean, it's, that's tough to say, I guess, It's <laughs> uh, at, at some points in, in life, but uh, you always have to count your blessings and look to the positives, I guess. So it's it's nice to be with mm-hmm. you here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, I leave a bigger pause every week when we record. I, I keep trying to see if you'll call me out on it, but I, I, leave, that, <laughs> I leave that pause gap a little bit wider every single week. So uh, you have yet to be annoyed by it. So that's good on you. But it'll take a little while, but uh, yeah. no, I, I'm, I'm doing well, and uh, it's, it's nice to talk to you. Well, and you too, Rich. And we have a special guest with us here this week on 11 Personnel. We're really excited to have Michael Gennetti, the co-founder of Track, and he's on with us. We're excited to pick his brain about a couple of potentially massive and very important Rams contracts coming up on the horizon. Thanks for being with us, Michael. How are you? Great. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Good morning. I know it's a, a crazy time for you, um, and and I appreciate you taking time out of the the morning schedule, getting the kids all ready to go, and uh, that's that's probably been pretty hectic for you. Well, I gotta say, you know, with everything going on in the world, and obviously, like you mentioned, having kids and with this quarantine, mm-hmm. sports has been a nice release. So mm-hmm. <laughs> anytime I Absolutely. can hop on a phone and talk some sports, it's kind of I'm happy to do it. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Rams are one of the more interesting discussions anyway, so this is going to be fun. Yeah, so I, first let's talk really quickly before we get to uh, Jalen Ramsey and Cooper Cup, who are the two big contracts we want to talk about with you today. Um, I noticed over the weekend, and since I started on this beat uh, about a month and a month ago at this point, uh, first of all, the Rams are in uh, some quite some, some trouble right now in terms <laughs> of cap space. And second of all, um, when you type in Rams cap in Google, the thing that one of the first things that pops up is Rams cap hell. (laughs) That was that was uh, quite the discovery. Uh, That was that was my that was right up there with my Rams.com being a website about Rams uh, discovery. So um, so so it looks like they're in negative space. and and you guys do such a great job over at Spot Track of breaking those things down, um, Michael. What is your evaluation of not only where the Rams are, but how they got here? Yeah, I think this is a really good place to start because uh, the way that Les Needs generally operates, and he has for a while, and and you can understand why he did what he did these past couple of years with the regime that was there and the and the youth that they had brought up from from the ground up. But the reason we're here right now is because he operates on a feast or famine mantra with these contracts. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, he went big on Jared Goff and Todd Gurley and Aaron Donald, 
But those are positions outside. I, I understand the running back is devalued, but you had the best one in the game for an 18-month window there. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that he overpaid. It's the structure. And and I like the structure when it works, and I hate the structure when it doesn't. And But what I mean by structure is he, he processes early guarantees, which means roster bonuses that are due next year kick in from a guaranteed standpoint this year. And he does mm-hmm. the same thing with base salaries. It's a really risky play. It's a good look when you're going to attract free agents and you're, and you're trying to bring in, uh, you know, you're trying to take care of your own. It's a very good look. And it's a way to keep things like base salaries sort of tempered because you can structure bonuses and say, it, you know, we're going to keep things sort of, we're not going to make you the highest three-year cash player in the league. But in lieu of that, we're going to make sure that three years of your of your contract are pretty much locked in right now, f- fully guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So it's a trade-off compromise situation. But it really bites you in situations where you're trying to get out. That's the Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks discussion. He's got similar situations with Jared Goff. I mean, Jared Goff is locked up through 2022 right now, pretty much mm-hmm. set in stone. And even a player like Tyler Higby's contract has early guarantees, early lock-ins. So it's risky. And uh, like I said, it, it puts a good face on that you're taking care of your own. But it really made things difficult to get out of a couple of contracts when they really had to this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine that kind of structure is is really popular. Um, uh, for example, with agents as they're discussing free agency with with higher name free agents, um, when you're trying to bring back a guy, for example, um, even like Andrew Whitworth, when you're trying to attract high caliber players, um, you know that that's a very much take care of your own organization. If you can stick out for a couple of years and put together a couple of good seasons, it seems like this is, this is a team that um, managerially they, they would like to, as you said, um, take care of your own. But uh, I, I did think the way you put it was, was so perfect that feast or famine sort of mentality. And I know rich uh, rich can speak with you a, a little bit more on that Gurley and Cook situation because that's really locking up, uh, particularly their dead money. I think over the next couple of or the next year at, at the very least. Yeah, I, I think that's that's what the kind of the problem has been for for fans. It's not so much the deal; it's it's what is it doing to you in the in the future. Mm-hmm. And I know we want to talk about Cooper Cup and John Johnson and some of these other guys who are uh, due contracts. And and it's not just that they're due contracts; it's now that you have this this weight sitting on your on your salary cap uh, ledger for for guys who you're not even paying and uh, it's gonna there's gonna be some pain this year and there's gonna be some pain next year too so I, I'm curious is there, is there are there other teams who, who kind of follow this model is there a comparable that you'd look at in terms of other GMs other front offices that uh, maybe present a, an alternative way to do it albeit a similar way or are the Rams just way out there with this stuff Everyone has their own niche. And it's one of those things that I've really tried to dial into over the past 10 years because, uh, you know, we have seen a lot of turnover with GMs of late and we're getting the younger guys in there who have a lot more mm-hmm. analytic driven mentalities. So some of those philosophies are changing. For instance, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, one of the most set in stone organizations in all of sports, mm-hmm. they just don't, they don't guarantee base salaries ever. So if you're going to get a money, money from them, it's going to be out of signing bonus or a big roster bonus. They've done it for, as long as I've been ha- handling any of this stuff. So that's a that's one extreme. Then you've got someone like the San Francisco 49ers in that organization where, yes, they, they have big multi-year contracts, but they pump everything into the first year and a half. 
And again, that's another feast or famine situation where if the 49ers fall off this year, they're going to be in the Rams situation next year because they're going to want to get rid mm-hmm. of Garoppolo. But but the difference is they don't they don't push dead cap down the line. And that's the difference between what Les Snead's doing and with the Rams versus what the San Francisco 49ers are doing. The 49ers are saying, okay, we, we're not going to be consistently financially good for eight years. We're going to blow it up for three years, give ourselves $100 million of cap space to work with. And in lieu of that, we're going to align our draft, align our quarterback payment, and align the contracts we have to sign within this window that we can front load the heck out of all of these things at the same time. And if it works, Mm -hmm. it's going to be great in three years, which is basically where they are right now. Everybody in that roster right now is sort of in a really nice team-friendly cap cash structure with with minimal dead cap. I mean, they can get out of Garoppolo for like four and a half million dollars next year of cap. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Rams, you mentioned Cooks and Gurley, it's going to be $35 million of dead cap this year for those two players. That's the difference right there. It, whereas the Rams gotcha. have structured multiple facets to, to create dead cap, guaranteed base salary, roster bonuses, and signing bonuses. The for, a team like the 49ers and the Tampa Bay Rays, or Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be honest, they front load everything, high, high high cash payments early on, and then it spreads out from there with, with kind of rolling salary guarantees. So you can say that one is better than mm-hmm. the other, but it's really does it work or not? Is the window that you're that you're right. building this for or paying for, does it get you to the to deep into the playoffs? Does it get you to the Super Bowl? Which it did. So I can't sit here and crush you know, any of this working out, even though it did blow up 18 months later. Yeah. And it's, that's such an interesting point too, because you can start to put fingerprints, you can start to measure, uh, sort of the calling cards and the fingerprints of all the unique GMs and all the unique, um, capologists and, and everyone in the league at this point, almost by team is very much, uh, people's identity and and uh, your work has definitely expanded on people's knowledge of of what this process looks like and what these structures look like and and helps kind of show us what these identities are behind the scenes because you're looking at the numbers roll through and and that's very much what an identity of a team is going to be for at least you know a four or five year period yeah the identity is so important and it's one of those things I evaluate. Mm-hmm you know, right before we hit the free agency, who, who is each team? <laughs> who, who do they think they are? Who do, who should we assess them as? Are they in a window to build? Are they in a window to break down? Are they in a window where they may not know what they are and they're going to have to evaluate this off season to see what, where they get. Um, it's so important. And, and to me, it's, a, it is the, the byline on every single annual budget <laughs> because mm-hmm. you can, you can sort of tell who a team thinks they are by March 20th every year. You know, have they have they released three veterans? Have they been a part of big trades? Have they gone and made a couple of splash free agents? Have they restructured players? For instance, a team like the Detroit Lions, I was really uncertain about where we were going with them this year because they, they underachieved so greatly last year to the point of where I thought mm-hmm. maybe Matthew Stafford was going to be a gigantic cap dump trade this offseason. Then they go and restructure him. And, and that single move alone put me into a different atmosphere with Detroit because I knew now and we saw it they went and acquired three you know big free agents from New England things like that they were all in and, and similar to the Colts in acquiring Philip Rivers on a one-year contract that's an all-in move so there are little things that you pick up and, and you can really latch onto to understand what a GM is thinking and then you, you you start to look at the structures of how things are and understand are they thinking one year are they thinking long-term window 
Well, certainly the Rams, if, to get it back to them, they were thinking of four years, mm-hmm. they were thinking three to four years with all of their contracts. And, and that's why these early guarantees, it, it, it shouldn't have damaged them to the point of where we are today. But things happened and it, it turned for the worse. Yeah, the injuries, I think, the unpredictability of, of um, sort of the human body, when you factor that into um, all of these numbers, that can that can really um, set people sideways, it seems yeah. like here. Um, so, and and thanks for touching on kind of where, where the Rams are at, because they've got these at least two guys, if not more, who, who they have to pay. And some of these billboard contracts, and I want to start with Jalen Ramsey here, you, you're in a spot where you not only – have to pay Jalen Ramsey at this point, but you also are committed to doing so because of the nature of the trade that you made. Um, you're not going to then offload him because of the trade that you made for him. And that's the impression that Rich and I very much certainly have. And, and Sean McVay talked to us last week and, and sort of doubled down on that. Um, and he also mentioned, uh, you know, I asked him, is Jalen, it's kind of a T-ball question for me because we all know the answer to this, but do you, you know, is Jalen Ramsey the type of cornerback who can reset the market potentially? So for you, your knowledge, how this market has kind of stagnated for corners over the last several years, what, what numbers are you thinking here for him? Yeah. Before I get there, do you think that they, they at least entertain trading him? Do you think they threw it out there in March? And try to try to recoup one of those first round picks, and then maybe something ancillary after that. I I, I just I, I wonder now, knowing what they've done the rest of this offseason, mm-hmm. and the, the fact that they 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 thought they absolutely had to get out of the Todd Gurley contract. I, I just I can't imagine that it was a shoe in that they were going to keep this regime intact. I I just wonder if they at least threw threw the opportunity out there for somebody to overpay again for Jalen Ramsey, uh, but certainly that didn't come to fruition. So let's talk about his numbers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the trade hall. That's everything right now. I mean, I, I, it's the one thing I think we're all a little behind on with, with in terms of valuing, which NFL trades, they're still incredible deals. And when you see something like this, that is clearly an overpay, it's rare because mm-hmm. generally speaking, especially at the deadline, teams are getting great players on a premium, on value. I mean, fifth round picks for for def- starting defensive ends, you know, we're, we're seeing too much of that still right now. So to see a trade like this go in the complete opposite direction, two first and a fourth for a single player that now needs $100 million, um, there's just really no getting out of that. It's the, it's the Laramie Tunzel situation in Houston. We saw where that went. He, he mm-hmm. went from a $10 million fifth-year option to $22 million a year. It's a 115% increase. I don't imagine that's going to be the case for Jalen Ramsey. That would mean like a $25 million salary. Certainly, we're not going to get that high. Mm -hmm. The high salary right now for a cornerback is about $16.5 million. So when I throw him into Mm -hmm. our calculations, he comes in slightly above that. He and Tredavious White are essentially on the same plane right now, slightly above the the high salary. And that's just just from a production standpoint. But when you factor in the trade and, and what they gave up, you, you have to add almost 10, 15% to everything that you're doing when you're evaluating him. To me, his starting, his price point is a little over $20 million. It's not even approaching mm-hmm. $20 million. It's got to be over $20 million. If you're paying the second tier wide receiver, which is Amari Cooper, or Michael Thomas right now, if you're putting Julio Jones on his own plane, which I think is probably fair right now, the, the second tier wide receiver is Amari Cooper at 20 million. The guy who's guarding Amari Cooper... <laughs> That's generally how it works. You know, I mean, you've got a quarterback and then you've got a guy mm-hmm. who rushes the quarterback. 
that pay for a long time aligned itself. And the same goes with the top wide receiver and the top cornerback to shut, to, to shut him down. So $20 million has to be the number for guys like Jalen Ramsey, Quentin Dunbar, Tredavious White. I, I don't know that we all get there. I, I think it probably, you know, maybe the first person to sign of that group gets, comes in at $18 million and then they, they step up from there. But when you're talking about the mm-hmm. trade hall and, and his production and what he's worth to the Rams right now from a defensive standpoint, $20 million is the number. That's pretty stark. That's uh, to hear that number out loud is, <laughs> yeah. uh, is is it makes complete sense to me the the way that you describe it. But but what does that mean for the Rams when you're talking about Jared Goff's contract is there <laughs> at, at the cap hit? I know it fluctuates a little bit from year to year, but it's certainly in that thirty million dollar range, if not if not more. Aaron Donald again fluctuates a little bit, but that's north of twenty twenty five million to put a third one in there. At, at a $20 million clip, is that is that even a feasible thing for them? You're not asking me to make it work this morning, are you? <laughs> I'm, just tell, <laughs> yeah. I'm just telling you that they got to pay the guy. No. Um, You're the look, pro, they're... man. We're just we're just along for the ride. <laughs> I've had enough coffee to make this work yet. Um, look, there are some things that can happen. There really are. Uh, and I know we're going to get the Cooper Cup. And, and to me, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's an outlying conversation about Robert Woods that goes right along with that. But let's, yes. stick with, let's stick with the defensive guys because we can make it work with just Aaron Donald, truly. Aaron Donald has yet to be restructured. And I give the Rams a lot of credit for not doing that because it's kind of like an ace in the hole that they haven't been using yet. Um, and to me, they're going to have to use it because of the dead cap they've accrued, like we mentioned before, because they're not getting rid of Jalen Ramsey. They're going to pay Jalen Ramsey. Um, like I said, his fifth year option is a little over $13 million right now. If we're looking at other cornerback contracts that got, for instance, the Byron Jones contract with Miami that was signed this free agency, he carries a first year's cap hit of about $17 million. So if we just use that model, um, we're talking about four to five million dollars of increased cap for Jalen Ramsey if and when they extend him this year. I'm not sure this is going to be the year they do it. I think they might make him wait a little bit because of all this financial mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they're going to go that route, they need about four million in additional money to go. Um, not to mention they haven't signed any of their draft class yet, which is right. you know another another seven to eight million dollars of cap right there. So. If you're talking about $12, $13 million you need to free up, all you really need to do is, is do a full base salary restructure on Aaron Donald this year, which drops him from $17 million to, to a little under a million dollars of salary, turns the rest into bonus, and you save just under $13 million of space right there. So that that does it right there. That pays for your draft pool, and it allows you to to push Jalen Ramsey's figure out another 4 to $5 million if you're going with a standard contract. So really, that's all that has to happen right there. Because you're going to get enough space from Todd Gurley's uh, June 1st release today. Nice timing, by the mm-hmm. way. You, you guys actually gained $5.5 million of cap space today. Um, so that that should cover some of the the negatives that you're in right now. Now, we haven't gotten to Cooper Cup. That's a whole other enchilada. But for me, Aaron Donald's restructure should handle Jalen Ramsey's number, at least for this year. For this year, though, right? Because then <laughs> yeah. they're, you're in, you're yeah. in the kick the can down the road scenario, right? Where then you're turning Aaron into maybe again, maybe a $25 million cap hit, uh, down the line. But I, I guess you, you deal with the problem in front of you. Is that the, is that the theory there? Yeah. And, and to, and to be quite frank, he's the guy I'd rather do it with more than any, because I, I'm pretty yeah. confident yeah. for the next three seasons, he's going to be at least above average, if not continue to be elite. So if I've got a, if I've got to roll the dice and live with high dead cap figures over the next three years, worried that I have to get rid of him, I'm, I'm pretty confident about him being on the roster for the next three seasons. Yeah, I'd agree. 
when when you're talking about corner contracts too and, and kind of to open it back up to a wider lens here for you Mike but but what kind of guarantees do you think a, a guy like J- Jalen Ramsey um, is is looking for in this market? It's tough to tell because that's really all that yeah. matters. I mean, we can sit here and talk yep. about the $20 million a year, and that's a sexy headline for the agent to go and throw out. But how much mm-hmm. am I actually locked in? I mean, it, the Rams are the most important example of this with a guy like Todd Gurley in a situation like Brandon Cooks, um, who, I mean, there's two roster bonuses still not been paid yet from the Rams because – uh, not only cap dead cap, but dead cash on some of these contracts based on these early guarantees that we talked about. So what happens with cornerbacks right now? It's another situation that needs to be reset. Unfortunately, it's the, the percentages are decent. I mean, Byron Jones, I mentioned Miami, he just locked in a little over 55% of his contract fully guaranteed at signing. That's a pretty scary number when you're talking about mm-hmm. a possible 100, $105 million total contract for, for Jalen Ramsey, you're talking north of $50 million fully guaranteed has to go in escrow immediately. Um, so then if you're going, if you're tagging on another 20 million for a, maybe a third year that hasn't locked in yet, now we're talking close to $70 million in total guarantees, which is, that's a big number. The, the, the max right now is 55 million of practical guarantees on a cornerback contract. So it's possible that Ramsey's deal because of how big it is on a total value blows away these guaranteed numbers in terms of 50 million versus 70 million over the next three seasons. I just like, I just picture consistently through the course of this entire conversation, you know, you guys remember those Acme Looney Tunes cartoons where <laughs> the can, the cannonball is at the top yeah. of a like 10 story building. And all of a sudden it starts breaking through one floor at a time. It's just, <laughs> well, I feel so like we why, need a, a sound effect for that. <laughs> that. I guess that's why I brought up the, the Jalen Ramsey trade point. Like, you know, at yeah. some point you're just continuing to push down the rabbit hole. And unless they go back to the NFC championship game this year and kind of reset that, you know, the football side of this, then the business side of this is just getting uglier and uglier. And I hate to see that because you, you mentioned you're already Google searching CapTel with the Rams. I can't imagine where we are next year if they have a bad 2020 season to tack on with this Jalen Ramsey contract. Yeah, at that point, you know, we, you know, the sort of the vibe of this team right now um, is just trying to keep that window forced open because they yeah. still feel that they can win, that they can win at a high level. And, um, you know, whether we agree with that or not, um, they're, they're trying to keep that window forced open. Um, you can't necessarily, as we know, you can't necessarily do that. You can't with one hand tied behind your back in terms of, of cap space and, and being, you know, you, you might have to blow it all up at one point. Would they be willing to do that? I don't know, but you have some high value assets on your roster that could bring you, um, the capital that you might need in case you do have to blow it all up. Yes, that's yeah. You did. You yes. did see it too with um, with Marcus Peters, and they they traded him again before they paid him. A, a little bit of a different scenario, maybe. I don't know whether they thought Marcus really fit within their defense very well. Whereas I think we're seeing here over the last even over the last few weeks, they they love Jalen Ramsey. Like you, to hear them talking. Uh, well, you, and like I, <laughs> and that's great, but like the. Michael's point now makes me I, I have my tinfoil hat on because <laughs> because yeah. of course you know if if you don't want anyone to catch wind if you and this is hypothetical uh and you know on my part but if if you were trying to see and test and see what you could get for for him yeah, yeah you're gonna come out and say these are the 19 things I want him to do in my defense <laughs> 
at this point. <laughs> right. and, and we love him. And, and I think it's great and, and very valuable for him to have come out and said, you know, I'm not holding out of training camp, even if I mm-hmm. don't get a deal. Understanding not just the climate right now, but also, um, you know, it, from what I've heard, they have been on the same page in terms of the timeline for such an extension um, since the trade. And so if everyone's on the same page, that's that's great. But you know, as, as I saw uh, very clearly um, from my time in Carolina, no no team is truly married to anybody, um, particularly if they f- believe and feel that there might be um, something to return to get in return, um, high return for said player, or if they're trying to blow it all up. And and the dead cap we're talking about, it, it's not for nothing. There's real, mm-hmm. real analytics on it. For instance, you know, I just quickly went back three, four years on our cap tracker to look at the teams that have the top dead cap in the league on an annual basis. They just they just don't get to the finish line. And if you're talking about who the, the, the dead cap winners this year are going to be, you're going to have Carolina number one, which is a really interesting team based on all the, 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 the new acquisitions they just made. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Rams are going to be basically tied for second place. Then you got the Patriots and the Dolphins. So you couldn't have more interesting teams with this much dead mm-hmm. cap heading into the 2020 season. I, I'm just here to tell you, it generally doesn't work out. You generally can't carry top top flight dead cap and also have a roster in place that can succeed in the same season. But the Rams do have enough, you know, enough of those core pieces still available that you're right. They still should be impactful. Mm-hmm. It would be it would be bucking the trend is, is what I'm here to tell you. So fascinating case study in terms of, I mean, it's just, I think it's just going to be something that we, we study in terms of going along with what, uh, you know, previous precedents are, or can they actually be an outlier here? Yeah. And and maybe it's not just a case study for, you know, in in a small way, maybe it's a case study to say, should, should we be, maybe there's too much cap in the NFL right now. (laughs) And this is something I've really, we're getting crazy on a Monday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's really something that's come up a lot on my end because we're still allowing teams to roll over from the previous year and things like that. But, I mean, if you look right now, there are three, four teams with 30 million plus mm-hmm. still to work with. There's nobody to sign outside of Jadavian Clowney. So, I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and we've seen this now for three years where teams like the Browns and the Dolphins, they they just can't they can't spend their cap, nor, nor are they being forced to spend their cap. Um, so if the Rams are successfully able to, to move on from two players that, that financially speaking, they should never have been able to get rid of because of the structures of the contract and then turn around and win 12 games and enter, you know, get into the playoffs. Now we're into a situation where not only are we bucking the trend, but I think we have to ask the question, you know, is there too much flexibility with this? Mm -hmm. And, and because, because really the, the root cause of what I'm saying is you've got a lot of players in the middle class who just aren't getting paid because they're not being, getting forced to be paid. So that's mm-hmm. where I always bring it back to is if you've got all these teams with cap space and you've got, you know, so many of these above average veterans on minimum contracts because that's all they could get from their agents, you know, from these teams, then to me, there's a there's a more rooted problem in the league right now. And, and you know, just wanted to throw that out there. No, I appreciate it. Before we maybe transition to other things, there, there's one thing that came to mind that doesn't doesn't quite fit. But since we've been talking about Todd Gurley and, and dead cap and all of that. Um, the kind of conflict that's come up between the Rams and, and Todd Gurley and, and mm-hmm. Clay Matthews. Um, a lot of fans have 
ask questions about it. They're kind of anxious about it in terms of what does it mean either, you know, what does it mean about their team or, or what does it mean about the salaries and that sort of thing. Um, I, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but based on your understanding, would you be able to give a little bit of a primer on, on exactly what the issue there has been? I don't know whether it's the same with both guys or, uh, you know, what the possible resolution is here. It's kind of really tough to put a pulse on it. Um, I've heard a couple of things that, you know, I, I consider to be hot stove more, more than anything. Um, I I do think the times we're in has something to do with it. And I don't mean that from, you know, everybody's bleeding money right now and everybody's trying to hold close to what they have. I I wonder if, well, first of all, there was a CBA negotiation going on at the, you know, basic, we were just off the heels of this new CBA. So my guess was they were wondering, they wanted to hold on all of those um, upfront payments before they understood if, you know, post June 1st, we're going to be in there, all those things were going to be available. So I understand why originally there was a pause on those rash of payments. Uh, I do think then Todd Gurley signing elsewhere was a big part of this because there is offsets language in his contract that allowed them to recoup some of this, which they, they're going to do. Uh, but the fact that it hasn't been paid now makes me think, are they holding out to see what's going to happen with the 2020 season? Because if there's not a 2020 season and the structure of pay is changed or, for instance, things toll or there's some revised CBA for the 2020 season that changes the way that roster bonuses and and option bonuses and things like that actually are paid out, I I don't Mm want to put words in people's mouth. I'm just speaking from a from a from a number standpoint, because we've seen this now. I mean, I'm, I'm diving into this with baseball right now and how they're literally trying to rip up the entire financial system just to make it work. Um, I wonder if there's a case, and I know the NFL has stayed true to we're you know, we're staying on course, but I just wonder if there's a, there's a world where behind the scene, the, own, the owners are preparing for a much more simple structured pay if, and when things start to get dicey with the 2020 season. And in that case, you know, things like bonuses that were guaranteed but never paid out may become, uh, you know, suspect to some change in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Wow. There will be lawyers. Well, I'm so glad we have you to explain this. <laughs> I know. Because, I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm in I'm sitting here in awe. I mean, your your work is outstanding, but I'm I'm just sitting here in awe right now. Honestly, I'm, <laughs> I've had a couple of sips of my coffee and just let it all let all the knowledge wash over me. It's just fantastic stuff, really. I appreciate um, that. Guys, I have something. I have something for you. I'd like to try this out on you here. Cooper Cup, more like Cooper Cap. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> is that with two P's? C-A-P-P. Keep sipping the coffee. I know. I need. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need more at this point. Uh, luckily, I. Uh, I will not be quitting my day job. <laughs> um, okay, so. I know we cannot talk about him um, without also talking about Robert Robert Woods, but just to start off with Cooper right now, what what numbers do you think we're looking at here, um, factoring in sort of his uh, importance to the team, but also you know the injury history, um, think, things like that. Yeah, you said it. The injuries are everything. Um, there's really two factors that that temper his his calculated value in our system right now. Number one is is the lack of games, or, or sorry, the games missed because of the injury. And two mm-hmm. is when, when I put him up against, you know, like the Michael Thomases and the Tyreek Hills of the world, he's a couple of targets short on an average basis. And you can understand that because they had three to four weapons uh, leading up to this year, right? And Brandon Cooks took a lot of those targets away. 
That's not going to be the case this year. He's going to get nine targets a game. It's going to happen. He's going to, he may get 10 targets a game. He might be more in Jarvis Landry's world, which is the kind of the target king right now. Those two things, and they're, and they're small factors in our calculations. He's still got a really nice number with us right now, but those are holding him back from being into the $19, $20 million mark right now. He's at $17 mm-hmm. million right now, which is a huge number when you talk about the fact that he's about to make two right now with the Rams. Um, so it's a gigantic leap forward. And, oh, by the way, you know, we just had a 20-minute discussion on how the Rams really – we don't even know if they should be paying players top, top market contracts right now because the windows might be closing. Um, so all of those things will come into play with Cooper Cup staying with the Rams on a long-term basis. But just from a, mm-hmm. from a straight nerdy numbers take at it, he's valuing at $17 million a year right now. Do you think, and, and we talked so much earlier about team identity in terms of from a GM standpoint and GM fingerprints and, and things like that, their history of paying guys and, and sort of um, not just necessarily paying guys for what they can do for them in the future, but what they have already done for them on a rookie contract um, do you think that factors in here with Cooper specifically? I think the fact that they've traded Brandon Cooks tells you everything you need mm-hmm. to know. I really do think that. Yeah. I think um, he has shown enough chemistry with Jared Goff, and certainly Jared Goff's not going anywhere. I mean, if that's the case, please call me back and we'll have an hour conversation. But Because <laughs> <laughs> that one would really blow my mind. But um, I, I just think that that the one-two punch that Goff and Cup have put together over the past couple of seasons is enough for that to be the, the new core. And then they're going to they're gonna fill in the running back position sort of like the rest of the league is with um, third-round picks and things like that where they can keep that completely financially cost-controlled. And that gets us to a point where Cooper, Cooper Cup can make $18 million a year. To me, the X factor mm-hmm. is Robert Woods, who I, I hate to bring him into this because he is – he is cost controlled. He has been cost controlled from day one. I mean, the, the production you've got from him on an eight and a half million dollar contract has been absurd. And I realize mm-hmm. that he has missed some time as well. But he he's he's essentially entering a contract year, in my opinion, because they're going to have to rip up next year for one or two reasons. Do you extend him as well on a, on a more cost controlled extension, or do you have to look to trade Robert Woods this off season, or, or maybe during mm-hmm. this season, depending on how it goes? That's a big part of this because if you're if you're leaving Cooper Cup as the kind of the only guy in the room at the end of the day, and then you're going to fill in with rookies or, or, or some smaller free agent acquisitions to, to go behind him, now we're talking about legitimate wide receiver one money for Cooper Cup going forward, and we're talking about uh, you know a, a, a take above even a Michael Thomas contract because Michael Thomas mm-hmm. you know he he's the 19 and a half million dollar man but that was a year and a half ago so we're, we're, we've got to adjust everything for for cap adjustments so we're going we're going to push ourselves into a 20 million dollar conversation with cup if and if they decide that he is the singular figure going forward mm-hmm. and it's interesting you know rich and i touched on this uh last week on our receiver analysis package um you know it, it was very telling that they in terms of of wanting to maintain some sort of flexibility in terms of managing this personnel in the next two years, because instead of drafting an all out flatline speed guy, they Mm -hmm. drafted Van Jefferson who can maybe be the heir apparent to a Robert Woods. Um, And, and, you know, and, and, and Robert Woods has, again, and this is definitely not a knock on him at all. um, He has put them in a space with his back to back thousand yard seasons um, and like you said, massive production over paycheck um, where he's played his way into 
probably demanding some sort of, of change in structure or some sort of extension if they don't try to trade at this point. So I did some numbers on that last night as well, because I, I knew this was going to be part of the conversation that if, if, if I could put him on a team friendly extension, right. And he's going to be 31, mm-hmm. 31 years old in a couple of months here, which, you know, red flag number one, but we've seen 30, 30 plus players achieve 16, $17 million contracts in this league. So it's not, it's not uncommon, but if I could put him on a team friendly contract, I, I think the lowest I could go would be 12 million a year. I think you could probably mm-hmm. lock him in for like three years, $36 million of money. Most most of that would probably have to be guaranteed, though, to, to, to compromise. But if, if that was the case, if you could have a $12 million player and then Cooper Cup at maybe 17, like I'm talking about, I don't think that's too damaging when you're talking about the fact that your third receiver is going to be cost-controlled on a rookie contract. Your entire running back arsenal is going to be cost-controlled. Tyler Higby is a little bit, uh, you know, he's, he's a bit of a cap problem over the next couple of seasons, but, um, you know, you can deal with that, I guess. I just think from an offensive standpoint, you can probably get away with two wide receivers at those kind of prices. Mm-hmm. But how about Cup now? It's from the way you're talking, and I, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'll just ask you directly. Uh, it, it seems like the, the ceiling could still go up here, depending on how he does in 2020, If again, if there's a full season, that sort of thing. But you're talking about a guy who probably would have been a 1,000-yard receiver in 2018 if he didn't get hurt and, and then did reach that level last year. So are we – Is it, it, it almost sounds ridiculous to even suggest this, but, I mean, should the Rams look to do this now before, the, before that ceiling even goes up, or, or do you think that's not as much of a factor? No, you're taking the words right out of my mouth. Um, I, I equate it to Tyreek Hill. Okay. And the fact that the Chiefs, even Mm -hmm. um, if if you remember, there was all of the off the field stuff going on with Tyreek Hill. He was in um, an absolute mess and the Chiefs still made it an absolute priority to get that contract done. Why? Because they didn't want to have to value Tyreek Hill after Sammy Watkins left. Now, Watkins is back, but they assumed he wasn't going to be back this year. You don't want to be paying Tyreek Hill when he is the absolute number one option on that team. Where, where they had guys like Kelsey and Watkins and things like that to spread it out. It's the exact same situation. You, I think if they wait and Cooper Cup gets 10 targets a game and all these numbers you know, incrementally go up, so, so of course will the cost. So yes, I, I absolutely think they should be trying to do this right now because if you can get him between 17 and 18 million, which is essentially Tyreek Hill's contract, it's going to be a bargain for, from what it would be a year and a half from now. Mm-hmm. All right, lightning round. Well, not really. There's one question. <laughs> uh, it's like okay. lightning. It's very quick. Yeah. Yes. Just and and just one time in one place. <laughs> so, um, so I'm reaching today, guys. I'm sorry. Um, so if okay, if you're the Rams, what comes first for you? It's in, in terms of everything we just talked about. Yes, in terms of everything we just touched on, what comes first for you? An Aaron Donald restructure. Is that a right. terrible answer? Le- it's not. I think it's it's a sensible one. I think that we we really are looking at at that um, happening potentially in the next couple of weeks, if not the next couple of months, as things start to settle down a little bit and they get a better feel of what's going to happen in 2020. Um, and an Aaron Donald restructure now, and again, not to put words in your mouth, but and then that leading to Jalen Ramsey, correct? I would think. I, I would think you'd have yeah. to. Although his words kind of make you think maybe there is a waiting game, right? If he if he's talking about not holding out, 
that could be either you know we're getting close on something or we have a we have an understanding to the point of where we can wait and it's going to it's going to work out in the end so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked if if cooper cup comes first although i've heard very little about it can i throw one more wrench in the in the entire discussion sure. oh, and good. just get your opinion get your opinion on a franchise <laughs> tag for uh, e- either one of those guys, would would that Oof. make sense at all, given the Rams' uh, salary structure, or is that just not a road you want to go down? It's a really good question. Um, do I think – I think that would be playing with a ton of fire with Jalen Ramsey, of course. I mean, we, yeah. we saw what, what, mm-hmm. what happened with Jacksonville. And again, he has so much leverage with this trade, with the trade hall. So I don't think he's the right player for that. Um, but is Cooper Cup the right player for that? That's a really interesting question because you're talking about a franchise tag that should be about $18 million, which sounds familiar, right? I mean, that's exactly what right. we're talking about on a multi-year deal from him. So I guess it's possible that if they don't get there and they find themselves in a situation where he does have a monster 2020, like we all kind of think he might, then you do mm-hmm. slap that on him because it is – it's at least a respectable dollar figure to, to, as a placeholder for a couple of months to see what you can do. Um, and look, at that point, you might have two more, three more receivers that are north of $20 million. So um, that's a bit of a value if you have to look to trade him at that point as well, a tag and trade, which is becoming more and more popular. So it's not a terrible question. I do think Cup is the more likely candidate there, though. Yeah, I would agree with that on Cup. I think Jalen's history uh, transactionally, I think, and, and you know, I I think he's obviously you know talking to him uh, via Zoom the other day. You, you get the sense of of calmness. I I think he's not he and his his camp are not really in a rush. He's going to get paid, mm-hmm. um, whether it's by the Rams or by someone else. And I I do believe it's going to be by the Rams. And so at that point, you do have a guy in Cooper Cup who's who has um, he's kind of he's kind of had he's kind of built that reputation of um you know if if i need to do this for what the team wants then then i'm gonna do this like rich and i were talking the other day where we you know it was it was interesting that jalen came right out and said like i'm not gonna hold out for for camp and we haven't talked to cooper in a while but if we asked him the same question i would imagine he would say the same thing i'm not gonna hold out without a contract it's just uh these these are a couple of guys who are are confident that whether it's uh, this year, next year, via tag, via trade, whatever it is, they're they're going to get their money. Yeah, and I think these are the right people to be talking about too. I mean, this is a nice little yeah. quarter we're putting together. I guess if I could ask Leslie one question right now, it'd be it, it would be how many contracts north of fifteen million dollars a year can you take on at one time? Like, what what is is there a number in your head, or is it simply there <laughs> there are positions that do you know what I mean? Because he did just trade Brandon yeah. Cooks, and there's a reason for that. It's not just that Brandon Cooks was lacking production. He he, he I know he wasn't living up to the number, but he, you know there's also a, a huge financial reason to do that, and 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 the cash that they saved from Cooks and Gurley. Uh, leaving this year is is huge, so that's a big part of it. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of that's going to Jared Goff, unfortunately. But um, you know, what what is it? Is it really? A, is there a number of contracts that you can hold that are that high, or is it really just positionally based? You know, is, is paying your, your defensive lineman, your your quarterback one, your cornerback one, and then a wide receiver one? Is that just going to be second nature for all of these teams? Because he's sort of the lead, he's leading the way with this in some in some regards. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of teams that have tried to get here where all the core kind of comes together at the same time, like the Rams had. 
And now they're going through the back end of it where they had to blow half of it up. Uh, to me, the, the Rams are such an interesting test case for the next two seasons because it, you're right. They, they are deciding to try to, to, to keep this, to force this window open and rebuild it on the fly and add some more fuel to get it back up to a contending team. But if it doesn't work, um, you know, are we just going to go down a path where, you know, certainly I don't think you'll see teams pay the quarterback early like the Rams did, which is something we didn't even mention. How right. early, how early they extended Jared Goff in that rookie contract, basically as soon as possible. Um, so I do think that th- that what the Rams have done here is really precedent setting, and teams are watching, and teams are certainly going to be watching in twenty twenty to see how they try to continue this on. Yeah, and the balance they strike is so interesting because you know we talk all the time about really wanting to win while you have a quarterback on the cheap, and really trying to to build around you know a cheap talented quarterback and then being successful within that window and then then you sort of flip it on its head when you do have to pay the quarterback and and then they had the the girly contract which became you know an albatross and and sort of a, a warning for most teams around the league and and then now you know but still they're they're focusing on sort of analytically sound choices you know sure they're they're paying Jared Goff and they they paid him early but also Aaron Donald um, being a, a player of emphasis contract-wise, a number one corner being a player of em- emphasis contract-wise, a number one receiver. I mean, you know, like you said, cost really, really cost-controlled running backs room. You know, these these kinds of, of decisions, w- even though you have sort of these outliers on either side, the middle of it seem to be analytically sound, but you do have those outliers. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's such a fascinating study. Um, and, and, you know, like we could not have have unpacked it. I mean, even one percent as well as you just have for us, Michael. So we really, really appreciate that. Oh, I'm happy to do I it. Know that for sure. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. And just in case you guys are are tuning in, um, which you should be listening to us start to finish. I mean, obviously, but um, <laughs> this is Michael Genetti, the co-founder and the are you the lead? You're the lead editor. Yeah, managing Spot editor. Track. Yep. Yes, and he, the co-founder of Spot Track, and and um, just brilliant work over there. Um, we absolutely use him as our number one resource over at the Athletic, and have a great little partnership going there. Um, look for us on the sidebar as you are scanning "quote unquote" cap hell for the <laughs> Los Angeles Rams. Um, Michael, can you just tell everyone where to find you real quick, and um, maybe a couple of pieces that you're you're really interested here coming out in the next couple weeks. Yeah, sure. So we're at SpotTrack on Twitter, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. It's SpotTrack.com is the website. We're on Instagram and Facebook and all that fun stuff as well. Um, trying to keep up with the rest of it. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of a multi-sport uh, attack this week as, as sports sort of roll back into form here, hopefully. Um, we're sort of tr- trying to stay on top of this Major League Baseball stuff with how, how the financial structures are changing and what, what it might look like for players' salaries. Um, certainly today is the big day for the post June 1st NFL designations as four, four teams will get a ton of cap space based on what they did in March. So we're, we're tracking that as well on the website. And we just released a, a contract extension candidate from every single team. And we've got um, our market values and some thoughts about what those contracts might look like as well on the site. So trying to uh, keep up with the rat race here. And obviously the NBA is coming back soon. So there's going to be a lot to discuss there as well. I don't know how you do all of it, um, but you do such a fantastic job. And thanks again for joining us today. My pleasure. Anytime.